and you can take your seats. Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you all here this morning to worship with you. We are so thankful you're here with us, and we have a really great morning uh, built around your word uh, in store for you. Uh, we are in week two of our missions focus in our series called Worth It, Considering the Call to Missional Work. And we've been asking you to consider that question for yourself. Is it worth it? Can God use me? Does he need me? Does it even matter? And I believe it does. And hopefully in this, this morning, like last week and again this morning, you would be stirred to consider how God wants you to participate in the work of his kingdom. The whole point of this series is to communicate to you, our church, the evangelistic and discipleship needs around the world in hopes that it will motivate you to consider how you might participate in either a short-term mission trip somewhere outside of Salem or possibly what you could be doing here in a sacrificial servant ministry in Salem. Uh, we are so excited to have uh, one of the uh, leaders of Compassion International and we have had a partnership with Compassion International for many, many years. And uh, to tell a little bit more about that story with Compassion and how it's led us to serve in different parts of the world, I'm going to invite up Pastor Justin to share a little bit more about that story. I want to be uh, really careful. I want to leave Rich time to uh, preach. This morning, uh, we're pretty careful with uh, multiple mic handoffs on a Sunday morning because we know that uh, a pastor almost can't introduce himself without taking 20 minutes. <laughs> but the story was important because uh, way back when we were beginning the missions program at Salem Heights, our passion was uh, we really wanted our people to have a different view of missions than we were seeing. Uh, we didn't want any missions vacations. We didn't want people just to, to go off and be able to see a neat uh, uh, location, we really wanted to make a difference in a community and to see something happen in that community. We also, when we went into that community, wanted to find our leaders underneath a local pastor, not believing that the only place where uh, leadership resides is in the United States. Amen? God calls and uses people around the world, and whoever is being used in that location, we need to be under their authority. So we wanted to be able to teach right things about the kingdom. Uh, as we went. We wanted to make a difference in kids' lives. We wanted to see a location begin to thrive as a result of our people being able to invest and work side by side with whatever group was there. And Compassion checked all of those boxes. From the time that we have been connected with them, we have watched uh, amazing things happen in our church as a result. Not just other stories that we hear in other places, but uh, many of you have been touched not only by the opportunity to invest in a child, uh, but many of you have gone with us uh, to Guatemala or you have gone to visit uh, your Compassion children around the world uh, and it has made a difference to you. If you are supporting a kid in Compassion already right now this morning, just raise your hand. Okay, look around. Is that amazing? Yeah. But I want you to understand, this morning we are asking you not just to hear this, but I want you to listen with your, your ears, but also your hearts, and I'm praying by God's grace it also impacts your wallet, okay? I do want you to walk out of here today and invest in more of these kids, uh, and not just because um, we want to see more things happen at the church. I really believe this is a spiritual benefit to you. This is a gift that we can give you this morning, an opportunity to make a difference. 
Rich is here from uh, Compassion. I'll just read a few things that are off of the bio that is in your notes. Um, he speaks globally on issues related to kids in crisis, poverty, and world missions. Uh, he's an ordained pastor. Rich serves as the director of relationships with Compassion, uh, ministry relationships with Compassion International. He's the president of Youth Ministry Without Borders, a not-for-profit organization committed to training and resourcing youth workers and parents of adolescents in developing nations. He's an associate staff member of the Center for Parent and Youth Understanding, uh, a speaker for Understanding Your Teenager Parenting Seminars. How many of you would like to take that seminar at the end of this service? All right, there's a few of you in the back uh, secretly raising your hand. Uh, Rich is a lot of things, but I, I think as we were talking last night, uh, I was amazed at his resume, um, but even more so amazed at his heart. Has a passion for the gospel, a deep passion that you would get the right message this morning. And so it's with great enthusiasm that I ask uh, Rich to come join us on the stage this morning. So. Pastor. Can I pray? Yeah, please. Yeah. Father, I thank you so much for men like Rich. I thank you for an organization like Compassion. But I thank you most of all for an opportunity that we have to be able to serve you in this way. I pray that you would give us uh, open ears, hearts that are willing to listen and change, to move forward. Father, impact our feet this morning. Cause us mm. to be world shapers. Mm. And I pray, Father, that we would see your pleasure as we follow through with whatever uh, you lead us to do. We thank you for this morning. Pray that you give Rich um, the power to preach now and mm. impact our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, <laughs> I've got to tell you the one when uh, the pastors were joking about passing the mics, it, it reminded me um, of someone else who said, do you know what it means when a pastor takes off his watch and puts it on the podium? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, although, and by the way, thank you for having me this morning, it's it's great to be here in Oregon uh, from Colorado. Although most of you don't know his name, almost everyone here this morning has been impacted by the vision of Robert Woodruff. Robert Woodruff, who at the end of World War II declared to his colleagues the following. He said, it is my desire in my generation that everyone in the world have a taste of Coca-Cola. <laughs> so who here this morning has not been impacted by the vision of Robert Woodruff? I'm not asking you if you like the stuff. But, but I find it very difficult to meet anyone who hasn't at least at one point in their life tried Coca-Cola. I had an experience years ago. I was taking a group of uh, teenagers from the Denver Front Range region into the Ecuadorian rainforest. And um, this was the furthest that Mission Aviation Fellowship had ever flown a group 
of American teenagers into the jungle. And it was quite an experience uh, for all of us. I've got to tell you, we landed on a landing strip that could hardly be called a landing strip. And while we waited, waited for the rest of the group to come in, several of us got a little tour of the village. And any of you who have ever been on a mission trip know that if there's anything that, that's true of the poor, it's that they are incredibly generous. They will give you the last of food that's, that's in their homes. <laughs> and sometimes you wish that they wouldn't. <laughs> On this particular occasion, the monkey wasn't quite ready, so we couldn't have any of that, but the anteater was. <laughs> At the third house, however, the man of the house went over to a shelf and reached for an urn and pulled it down. I had a group of high school guys with me in that home visit, football players, big strapping guys. They'll do anything, right? They'll eat anything. Well, this stretched them a bit because we were about to be offered a drink that's called chicha. The women of the village sit around during the day, and if you could see these women, most of whom have never seen a dentist in their life, you've got the picture, um, they sit around chewing roots, and uh, once they've got it sort of worked, they spit it in a gourd, they put it in the sun for two weeks, it ferments, and they serve it to their honored guests. It's called chicha. I prayed the missionary prayer. Jesus, I think I can get it down. Help me keep it down. <laughs> and the high school boys looked at me like, we're supposed to follow suit? And the look was, absolutely, or I will kill you. <laughs> Once the rest of the group got in, we spent our day with along with the, the villagers there, refurbishing the little one-room schoolhouse that they had. And, and at the end, the, the chief of the village was so grateful that we had come. And, and, and through translators, he was telling us how grateful he was. And, and, and then he said, we would love to offer you a cool, refreshing drink. And I'm thinking, isn't that special chilled chicha? And he went over to the river, and he pulled out a burlap bag. I don't have a burlap bag, but I have a small cloth bag this morning. And he opened it. I fearfully watched him. And maybe I can open this thing. Much to my surprise and much to my delight, out came little bottles of Coca-Cola. I was never so happy in my life to see Coca-Cola. And why? I mean, today, Coca-Cola is available from the deserts of Africa to the interior of China. I've not gone to a place in recent years where it's not available, where Coke Light or Coke Diet Coke is, is not available because Robert Woodruff was passionate about a soft drink. This morning, what's your passion 
that has the potential to change the world. In Psalm 34, 8, it says, Taste and see what? That the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Let's talk about what it means to be people who change our world for Jesus Christ. I want to invite you, if you would, to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. We're going to read about an incident in the experience of the early followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. God, uh, hear God's word for you this morning. It says, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, and I've, I've heard folks read this kind of flat, like, and, and Peter said, look at us. I don't think it sounded like that at all. I think Peter said, are you kidding me? You want what? Look at us. What do we know about the early followers of Jesus? They left everything. I'm expecting probably even a clean change of clothes to follow the master. The guy's asking them for, for gold or for something, uh, for money. He says, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And it says, taking him by the right, uh, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And listen to this. And what? And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. See, I'm, not, I'm not looking for an answer. Just want you to think about it. When is the last time in your life experience someone was filled with wonder and amazement at what has happened to you? In light of this passage from God's Word, let's think briefly about what it means to be world changers. What do world changers look like? The kind of folks who cause the rest of the world to sit up and take notice. I want you to see first, right at verse 1. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. I believe world changers, number one, and these are worth writing down, at least the main points. Number one, world changers are about the right stuff. 
World changers are about the right stuff. I find it interesting that Peter and John were going to the temple. Okay, it appears, and it could be misunderstood, that now Jesus has gone back, ascended to the Father. They're kind of discouraged. They, they had been following him, and, and now he's no longer with them. So what do they do? They just kind of return to religiosity. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's that when they spent time with Jesus, Jesus, by both his teaching and his, his example, had helped them understand the importance of the daily disciplines of the faith. That if we're going to be people who change the world, it begins by being about the right stuff. Anybody remember the Peanuts comic strip? My favorite, not just because my last name's Van Pelt. Okay? Um, one day, the Peanuts gang, they're playing softball. Charlie Brown's pitching. Linus is at first base, and Lucy, appropriately, is out in left field, right? So Charlie Brown pitches it. It's right over the plate, and Linus connects, um, and it's a pop fly. Linus is up at bat. He, he connects a pop fly and it drops dead in front of Lucy. Well, Charlie Brown looks around and he's not a happy camper. He screams, Lucy, what are you doing? <laughs> Lucy gets very pompous. Charlie Brown, I'm having my quiet time. <laughs> To which Charlie Brown says, Lucy, there's a time for a quiet time and there's a time to play the game. Lucy, it's time to play the game. You know what I believe a lot of our problem is? We jump to playing the game without first having the quiet time. And as a result of that, what does the church of Jesus around the world look like right now? We're marching to all different orders, in all sorts of different directions. Because we're not taking our marching orders from the book. People who change the world first and foremost are about the right stuff. Secondly, people who change the world are aware of and responsive to needs around them. I'm struck by the fact, in verse 4, look at this. It says, Peter, being confronted with need, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. I wonder if you're like me. In fact, I had the experience yesterday here in your city as I was driving to Target. And there was somebody on the side of the road begging for something. I've gotten pretty good at, at having blinders like, like horses have. So I don't look them in the eye. Because you know what happens when you look need in the eye? If you've got your father's heart, you've got to respond in some way or other. I was in the Guatemala City dump years ago. Not a place I often visit. 
But I was there because one of Compassion's church partners does ministry to the families who live in the dump. And we were going in with them to, to see the conditions and meet some of the people. I'll never forget it. I, God has blessed me with a very keen sense of smell. And the closer we got, the more my stomach started to churn until at one point as we're right at the edge of the dump, I reached in my pocket for a piece of gum, hoping that maybe it would help me deal with the smell. And I popped the gum in my mouth, had the piece of paper, and being the responsible kind of Coloradan that I am, I, I thought, where is a trash can to put my paper? And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in the trash can. And at that moment, my eyes caught a little girl standing on a pile of trash, fighting vultures for food that had just been left by a garbage truck. She saw me, must have thought, ah, oh, friend or something, came running and as she got to me in total little child abandon, threw her arms wide open like this and jumped at me. I reached down and grabbed her. And then my hands had a sensory experience because they realized this little girl had a dirty diaper and it probably hadn't been changed for a while as the aroma started to hit. And, and as I was feeling oh so sorry, for myself at that moment, God's Spirit slapped me upside the head and caused me to, to think Van Pelt. Are, are we aware this morning, men and women, that today on planet Earth, something around 19,000 little kids like that little girl will die of starvation, malnutrition, and other preventable diseases? That's the bad news. The good news is, when I started this years ago, when I started my involvement with compassion, I didn't start compassion. My involvement, the statistic was 40,000 at that time. So we're making progress. But we've only cut it in half. There are still close to 20,000 children every day who die or or what about the over 40 percent of people groups on the planet right now who are still unreached with the gospel can i remind you friends this morning that the great commandment you know love god and love people and the great commission go into all the world and make disciples that wasn't just given to a select few. The question I have for you this morning, in responding to God's call on every one of our lives, is God calling you today to go? Or is he calling you to stay? Because either way, he's calling us to be aware of and responsive to needs that are all around us. In irresistible faith, becoming the kind of Christian the world can't resist, Scott Sauls says, 
I love this line. Jesus did not come to make bad people good or good people better, but to bring dead people to life. Amen? So then, in light of Romans 10, 14, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Colossians 4, 2-4, I call kind of the Magna Carta of evangelism in Scripture. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message, Paul says, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise, he says, in the way you act toward outsiders. Listen to this. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Most Christians I know, or at least a lot of Christians I know, spend an inordinate amount of time trying to create opportunities or environments in which to share their faith when what most of us really need to do is just make the most of the opportunities that face us every day of our lives. Acts 1.8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. It starts here first. In our Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and then in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. People God uses to, to change the world are about the right stuff. Secondly, they're, they, they're aware of and responsive to needs around them. And we know the need. We're confronted with the need every day, locally and globally. But thirdly, here's the good news. People who change the world use what they have. Nothing more, nothing less. It says, verse 6, Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what? But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Some of you perhaps have, have heard of Major Ian Thomas. He started the torchbearer movement that has spread across the world. They do um, Bible schools for young men and women. And Ian Thomas has a favorite, famous talk he, calls his, he called his bush talk. And it's about Moses' kind of argument with God. When, when God calls Moses to, to, to help lead the Israelites out of bondage and Moses was so good at coming up with all sorts of excuses uh, and Thomas says so God used a bush an ordinary bush and in so doing he he sends us the message people I don't need an intelligent I don't need an articulate I don't need a beautiful bush any old bush will do as long as I, God, am in the bush. Madeline Lengel, one of my favorite writers, says, in a very real sense, not one of us is qualified. But it seems that God continually chooses the most unqualified to do his work to bear his glory. If we're forced to accept our evident 
uh, if we're qualified, excuse me, we tend to think we've done the job ourselves. If we're forced, however, to accept our evident lack of qualification, then there's no danger we'll confuse God's work with our own or God's glory with our own. Folks, it's one of the, one of the things that I love about the opportunity that Compassion International gives every one of us. Because, because I suspect that, that some of you here this morning are hearing the call of God to respond and go globally. And it's our prayer that as the hound of heaven works in your life, that, that you will respond in, in saying, yes, but there are many, many more of us who are being called to stay but still be good stewards of our time and our, our resources and our talent in such a way that we have opportunity to change the world. And one of the things that compassion has done for us is given us the gift of, of changing the world for one child. For a mere $38 a month and for a lot of us, it's less than a coffee a day. For $38 a month, we can provide for little Luis here in Guatemala, where some of you are going this summer on a mission trip with the church. We can provide for Luis the opportunity to be in school. Poor kids around the world can go to school there are public schools available. The problem is the really poor kids can't even afford the uniforms that are required or, or the books that they have to provide themselves. So compassion helps them get to school. We know that school is so critical in busting out of poverty. Compassion helps them go to school. It helps them get good, nutritious food for their tummies. It gets them health care. I, I don't know if you're aware of how rare it is for the world's poorest children to ever in their lives see a doctor. And Compassion Kids see one at least once a year, most of them a couple times a year, a checkup. And if there's anything wrong, it gets taken care of because they're in the program. There are a lot of benefits, not the least of which and this is one of the reasons I love what compassion does, is that you can be assured that your child is going to hear that God loves them and that Jesus died for them and that they can have life in abundance as a result of, of that free gift. I had the privilege a couple weeks ago of going to Nashville. They celebrated Michael W. Smith's 30th year in, uh, in ministry, music ministry. And uh, uh, we had the opportunity as Compassion to honor him because through his influence, over 80,000 children now have been sponsored. Um, and uh, we showed a video of uh, a grown woman whose name is Gavi, the first child he sponsored, who tells this story, Michael, because... I got to be a compassionate kid and I got to hear about Jesus 
and learn to love him today. 19 people in my extended family know Jesus. It's an opportunity to use what you have to make a difference. And I want to encourage you on behalf of all the little kids who I see on a regular basis um, to choose to be their sponsor today. Right outside the door, there are a lot of them waiting for you to sponsor after the service. We use what we have, nothing more, nothing less. And then lastly, people who change the world are willing to take risks. So some of you already started calculating. So where is $38 going to fit in the budget? And I think we need to be responsible. But I think we also need to ask the question, what can come out of the budget so God can use me to change the world for a kid who desperately needs help? Willing to take risks. I, I love Peter. Don't you love Peter? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand. He helped him up. Let's have context. This is the same Peter who not long before that was out in a boat with the other disciples. It got really scary and they got really afraid. And they see something coming on the water. They think it's a ghost. Now they're terrified, but Peter, bless his heart. Jesus, is that you? <laughs> yeah, Pete, come on out. The water's fine. And good old Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. Of course, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and immediately finds himself sinking. What, what could have happened to Peter as a result of that? He could have beat himself up for the rest of eternity. No. Instead, what's he do? Silver or gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. I'm wondering if the whole time Peter's going, I hope it works. I hope. <laughs> I hope it. I hope it works. This is Peter. When Jesus called him, his name was Simon, but Jesus gave him a new name, Rocky. That's what it means. We see jello. Jesus saw wet cement. See, it's a matter of moving beyond seeing the opportunity to seizing the opportunity. World changers are about the right stuff about the right stuff. Where are you getting your marching orders, people? The issue isn't, are we called? The issue is, are we called to stay or go? And then how are we going to use the resources God has given us? World changers are aware of and responsive to needs around them. Do the needs around us break our hearts like they break the heart of the Father? World changers use what they have. Nothing more, nothing less. And then lastly, they're willing to take risks. Let me, let me close with just this story. I was, I was in Ethiopia visiting 
um, one of Compassion's frontline church partners. Um, we do everything we do by partnering with the local church around the world. We have about 8,000 local church partners in 25 countries working with over 2 million children. This particular um, child development center, church partner, had about 300 little Ethiopian kids, little and young adult, teenager kids. And Ethiopian people aren't real big people. And we are pretty big people. And it was the end of the day, and we had had a marvelous time with them, and, and it was time to say goodbye. So I, in typical fashion, I was on my knees just hugging kids because I'm too big to hug little kids. And hugging kids when this one little girl came up to me, and she threw her arms around me and then put the death grip on me and started screaming. Well, all of a sudden, all came silent and focused in on what was happening here. And she just kept screaming in, in the local dialect something over and over again. One of the workers from the project came and, and tried to pull her off of me and couldn't get her off. Then another worker came over and assisted, and it took two of them to literally pry her little hands off of me. And they carried her away as she continued to scream the same thing over and over again. It was an uncomfortable moment for all of us. We, we went to our, our bus. And as we got on our bus, the, the director of the Compassion Project uh, apologized and, and explained to us that, that little M. Bennett, that, that was her name, she was about seven years old, was screaming over and over again, please take me with you. Please take me with you. Please take me with you. We learned the backstory that a couple months before that, her mommy had abandoned her on the city streets. All alone. We don't know the story. But one of the workers at the project who already had too many kids and, and couldn't hardly feed the ones that she had took her in because she couldn't not take her in. Because world changers are aware of and responsive to needs around them, right? And what the project director said, apparently, and Bennett saw something in you guys that made her think, maybe they'll have me. Obviously, we couldn't do it. The good news is we got her sponsored. And there's somebody who now is loving her by, by sending letters to her and praying for her and helping her be part of that compassion program but even though I couldn't take her with me, I take her with me everywhere I go. And I want to encourage you today to take the little Bennets that are out there on the table with you and choose to allow God to begin using you or continue, those of you already have one child but probably need another or two or three, <laughs> to make a difference. To be world changers for his glory. Let's pray.
Jesus, thank you. These men and women are an army that can change our world. Help us to hear you and to respond to you that the world will know that you are God. Amen. Thank you, Rich. And uh, thank you again for being here. Before we leave today, we are going to uh, pray over one of our missions teams that's going to be leaving here in a few weeks. But um, if all those who are going on our Arizona mission trip would make their way to the front as they're coming forward, I just want to encourage you, if, if the Lord is stirring you, again, the whole focus of these three weeks is for the Lord to stir in you a response to how he wants to use you. So please visit the table out there. There's plenty of kids. We actually have kids who are in the area that we're going. And our Guatemala team that's going in a few weeks, they're also going to be able to visit some of the kids they're sponsoring. And so please visit that table uh, on your way out today. This team here is heading down in just a few weeks to the reservation. Uh, we are in a new location, Tulani Lake. And uh, they're going to be heading down, working with the Navajo uh, tribes down there in Arizona. And they've been preparing. Pastor Matt and Lori are going to be leading that team once again. And we are just so thankful for each one of you. Um, they're stepping out of their comfort zone to go to one of the darkest places within the continental United States. And these people have been uh, misled and, and, and believe in a lot of things that aren't the true gospel. And so this team's going to go and provide the handful of hope, right? So let me pray over this team this morning, and uh, we will send them out. You're joining us in this prayer. As Salem Hiders, we are supporting you in prayer to send you out to go take the gospel to this part of the world. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this team. I thank you for each person who has prayerfully considered the call and has determined through your Spirit's prompting that it is worth it to go. I pray that you would continue to uh, guide them and, and protect them as they begin to get closer to this trip because we know they have an enemy who does not want them to be successful, who does not want them to be light in the darkness. And so I pray that you would protect them, Lord, allow them to be able to see you and, and have confidence and that your Holy Spirit would empower them to go boldly into this place and to love these people and these children, to work alongside the missionaries down in Tulani Lake, that they would have not only the opportunity to be a blessing physically by being there, but that they'd be able to pro uh, proclaim the truth of the gospel in a way that they would have their darkened hearts opened, that they would become life again through your spirit, God. So I pray that you would give Pastor Matt the strength and the wisdom to lead this team once again, and, and Josh and, and the other leaders on this team, and that there would be great unity, great health, great safety and travel, and that they would be able to come back and report a testimony giving you the credit for the amazing things you're going to do through them. God, help us to be a supporting church that prays for them every day that they are gone, and we pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. That's all for this morning. You're welcome to greet this team, and also make sure that you visit the table on your way out. There's a lot of great kids out there that need a sponsor. You're dismissed. Have a great week.